Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Seeking What They Sought. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Leiter, and we are stoked to be with you today. On today's episode, we get to do our first interview. Uh, we take some time to talk to Patty McCoy, who's the young adult pastor at the Kettering Adventist Church, and spend some time talking about his involvement with the One Project, as well as a, just a bunch of other stuff. And we're just super, super excited to share it with you. Welcome to the party. All right, so before we jump right in, I just wanted to pause and thank everyone again for all the amazing support and feedback, especially for those of you who have went and left reviews for us um, or given us, sent us a text or an email or even said something to us verbally. That stuff is super valuable to us and it really helps us sort of gauge and see how we're doing. So if you haven't left a review or or sent feedback, would you please do that? Um, it really, really helps us and we really, really appreciate it. We want to create something that is engaging and, and fun and, and interesting. So if it's not those things, you know, uh, please send us a send us a, a word so we can we can evaluate that. We'd really, really appreciate it. All right, with that said, let's jump right into our interview with Patty McCoy. everyone. Uh, my name is Jesse Churchill. I'm a pastor up in Washington State. I'm Anthony Leiter, as I previously mentioned before, and I live in good old SoCal. I'm a youth pastor at the La Sierra University Church. And I'm Larry the Cucumber. <laughs> that is a deep reference into our childhoods. Well done, Sean. So we're here today with Patty McCoy, and uh, Patty has been uh, a mentor to all of us at different points in our life, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> he was the chaplain at Walla Walla University uh, for a long time. How long were you the chaplain there for, Patty? Ten years, thanks. Ten years, yeah. And he uh, and now he's uh, pastoring over in Ohio. Um, but we are just super privileged to have you, Patty. But, Patty, your, your last name is McCoy, and I actually wanted to ask you, uh, for anyone who doesn't know about it, there's that whole Hatfields and McCoys, and you're actually a descendant of the real McCoys. You're a real McCoy. Well, yes, Jesse, it's true. I am a real McCoy. Um, but that terminology, the real McCoy, is actually nothing to do with the Hatfields and McCoys at all. Little side really? tidbit. Yeah. Really? So um, it came from a time when there was a uh, an inventor whose last name was McCoy, and a lot of people copied him. So if you had, uh, you know, one of his original inventions, you'd say, oh, do you have the real McCoy or not? Oh. Uh, yeah, it has nothing to do with the Hatfields and McCoys, but thanks for that memory. Patty, we, uh, we've all benefited, uh, weirdly enough, somehow, we've benefited from, from knowing you. And uh, Doesn't actually, show. and sorry, I, just so everyone knows, you actually coined the term, there's a sixth love language, right? Yeah. What is that? The six love language. So Gary Chapman has this beautiful book out on the five love languages. He's made a lot of money. I've created the six love language. I haven't created it. I've named it. And I have yet yeah. to make a single dime on it. But the six love language is ridicule. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. Yeah, that, that is the nature of our relationship. So if you hear us ridiculing Patty, it's because we love him, even though we don't. So, uh, yeah. But Patty, why don't, we, uh, why don't we talk a little bit? Sean, actually, you had, um, you had some stuff that you wanted to, to, to ask. 
Patty. Yeah, so it's funny. When we were making our list of uh, people to talk to, Patty came up on the list pretty quickly because we know him really well. But as you've heard, we know that this man is a very Irish man. And uh, because of that, there's always this connection to the Catholic Church. Now, it's funny what? because... Here's wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Shot, what? Huh? How is, the, how is Irish connected? To, I mean, yes, they were it's, Catholic for a long time, guys, but how is that more connected? It just is. It just you guys is. know Ireland, now, the Pope. Like, look, look, everyone, Ireland I know... Ireland, the Pope, uh, yeah. Okay, I know there's the, still Protestant Irish people, and they have orange and whatever, but everyone thinks of green and St. Patrick and Catholics, and That's it's just true. like this whole thing you lump together. And I'm, I'm not saying yeah. it's a fair, accurate representation, but it just... That's what is yeah. perceived. Um, it was just a terrible segue, so I just I had to call that out. Oh, well, course. there's a story. Yeah. There's yeah. a story as to why that is maybe too for Sean, but concerning me anyway. What's the oh, story? the story. The story, at least that I thought of. The reason we thought of uh, Patty talking to you about this is there was a story while you were at Walla Walla. At least I think it was at Walla Walla, um, and not to name names, but there was someone that accused you of being a Catholic sympathizer or someone that was in cahoots with the Pope. I don't remember the exact yeah. words that were used to accuse you. Well, I mean, it happened more than once, but the one time that <laughs> was uh, one of my favorites was, yeah, I was up front at the university church doing the presiding pastor, so welcome and, and different things like that. It happened to be a uh, Sabbath in March, and so I think I, I and I was wearing a green tie. So I said something to the effect of, you know, happy St. Me month, uh, referencing St. <laughs> Patty's Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's all it was. And I got home to an email that uh, was saying that, oh, I knew it. You were you're a Catholic priest disguising himself as an Adventist <laughs> chaplain. Classic. You not only called yourself a saint, you uh, you wore green instead of orange and just on and on and on and on they went. Wow. And, yeah. Wait. This and this was not. This was not a uh, jest. This was not someone who was. Oh like, no, they oh, were very serious. Very serious. Oh yeah. What? Now, so did let you... me. I just want to. I want to explore the logic of that just for a split second. And so they just thought that you, you came out as Catholic right there. Yeah, I was showing my true colors. Wow. Literally you... and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, here's the thing. Adventism, uh, I think because of its eschatology, uh, which which actually in the wider, you know, uh, brush of Christianity, uh, that really Christianity wouldn't have a sense of eschatology in time events without the Adventist church and the Adventist movement. So it's been our gift to the church. But um, because of the end time focus, it does create a lot of conspiracy theorists or it, it attracts a lot of conspiracy theorists, right? Well, cause um, there's the, there's the focus on the beast, right? The beast power. And then re- like relating that to the Catholic church and but deception. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think the idea that somehow something's going to happen and we're going to get deceived, uh, you know, mm-hmm. has a lot of people on constant pins and needles and looking out for the deception, which I can't think of any more joyful way to live your life than <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to be constantly on the lookout for being deceived. But, um, but I think that kind of leads to, you know, this focus on just, oh, the Catholics, the Jesuits, the infiltration, the deception, that this, that, this is all part of the end time conspiracy. And, you know, it's hard to talk to, it's hard to reason with someone who believes in conspiracy theories. Hmm. Well, you've dealt with that a lot in your time, especially at Walla Walla. You're one of the founders of the One Project. And going into that, a lot of people would reference, I, there was always Jesuit throwing thrown around, the Jesuit uh, 
order being kind of those missionaries who would just go and live in a place and they wouldn't they wouldn't overtly preach very much but they would kind of live the life and then through that show themselves to be followers of jesus hmm, because you, of that that becomes this whole what's that you seem to know quite a bit about jesuits jesse yeah exactly <laughs> i i don't know if you know i am that's one, very suspicious uh, so yeah uh, just outing myself right now. No, uh, and 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 because of that, then there's that huge like fear of who's infiltrating where. Do you, I'm sure that you've gotten labeled that too. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would say of the of the founders of the one project, I I actually probably am the most vanilla uh, when it comes to <laughs> and not just the amount of well, you know, the the amount of things that I've been called a reference. I mean, I, I get lumped in, but typically. The targets are, you know, Sam Lenore and Alex Bryan are the big mm. know, public targets. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I'm excited to be included in some books and on some websites, you know. Yeah. Um, it's fun. But that's that's when you know you've made it. Yeah, it's when you know you've yeah. made it. But here's the thing. What's crazy about all the conspiracy theories <laughs> is the idea that someone actually thinks that we were spending extra time creating a really involved conspiracy like right. we have the kind of time to you know do that uh, yeah or or i mean we barely have enough time to get through a week let yeah, alone yeah. <laughs> like you know come up with some sort of grand conspiracy theory but but yeah it, it the, the thing is all of the conspiracy theories all the name calling all that stuff just it's just stuff that takes your eyes off christ mm. you know it's just well, it's just a waste of sadly it's a waste of energy so that brings up an interesting point, Patty, that when you look at our church's past, and you said that it's been a gift from our church, uh, the eschatology, just looking at end time events and, and saying that that's been a gift. So do you feel that we have kind of, well, and when I say, do you feel that we, I mean, we're a worldwide church, so you can always um, try to look at many different parts of our church or pieces of our church and say, have we crossed the line from being aware and and looking forward to the second coming of Jesus and end time events to the point where we have become paranoid, like this individual that you spoke of, or is that a is that a unique case, or is that more common than we'd like to admit? Hmm. Uh, man, you know, I mean, I I can't speak for the the world church. I think here in the U.S., it's more common than I want to think. I don't know if that means it tips the scale into the majority or or not, I kind of have a hard time thinking it's the majority. Uh, and the reason I say that is because typically, you know, it's the ones that have a lot to try to defend or prove that are the loudest voices. Mm. Right. And mm. so when you're trying to prove, um, a, a conspiracy or, or whatnot, I mean, it's, it's a very vocal crew. I, I think it's the part of the denomination that has a lot of money though. Mm. I think there's Ooh. a lot of, Interesting. um, yeah, I think the, the, the conservative, that, well, and not not conservative. I don't want to. I don't want to out anything like conservative as being bad. I think it's the extreme sides. It's the extreme yeah. liberal or the extreme mm. conservative, mm. Um, you know, person that that is that is tough. But I think that, um, yeah, I think human nature is to ruin things, um, <laughs> you know. And so I think That's that well you know there. Yeah, there's a beautiful aspect. And and just to clarify, and you guys know this, um, but you know, I actually think that calling the second coming of Jesus being when he comes in the clouds, I think that's the wrong terminology. I know that's what we use, the second advent and second coming. But if you look at the first advent as Jesus incarnating and becoming God becoming flesh, mm-hmm. you know, then second advent is really the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. Hmm. And third advent is Jesus, you know, coming back in bodily form. Oh, okay. Um, this is the Jesuit. This right? is the radical <laughs> right. guy. I know. Holy oh, Spirit goodness. stuff. What? <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, we all know Ellen not, White. Not just a Jesuit, but also that Protestant who's like trying to get us to be all emotional. Or the, not the Protestant. Wow. Uh, uh, Pentecostal who's trying Pentecostal. to get us all yeah. uh, emotional and stuff. Right. I'm trying to get you uh, both heart and head and body. See, it's three, not just one of those two things. Mm. Oh, are, we, are you saying we're a trinity within, within ourselves? You know, here's the thing about the Trinity. Let me just say, <laughs> let me just say an aside. We're getting into the Trinity. Yeah, let me just say I'm an excited. aside about the Trinity. I think in our current church culture, I think the most telling and frightening thing hmm. is that when we develop five uh, committees, and I'm sure, yeah, I know you guys have touched on this stuff, but, you know, the uh, the uh, compliance committees on different doctrine we're concerned about, mm-hmm. um, you know, are upholding certain values. The fact that we haven't listed the Trinity as one of those that we Dang. should be holding on to is almost more concerning than anything else because yeah. there's a huge anti-trinitarian movement right now yeah. within adventism and which is really you have to kind of believe in anti-trinitarianism to be anti women's ordination right because you have to believe in headship theology and true headship theology really has its roots in the idea of Jesus being subservient to God. And that's so, I never thought mm. of that. That's so true. Mm-hmm. Because if, if, the, if Trinity is three co-equal persons working as one, not even working, it, working is to s- simplify it too much, but in essence that they're equal, then to believe uh, that people could be equal here on earth is not, uh, not a leap from that. Right. Uh, but yeah, wow. well, I've never thought of that like that yeah. before. Yeah. So it's a, I mean, you know, I think there are all sorts of circles in Adventism, at least in North America, and I'm sure around the world in places where, you know, it's, it's, we don't fully believe in the Trinity like our founders came to believe in, hmm. um, yeah. you know, in the later 1800s. Um, you know, we've kind of gone backwards, so to speak, on, on that doctrine. And so the fact that we haven't called that out and said, hey, we got to fix this, I think it's much more fundamental. I think that, hmm. that all the other things are symptoms of something like, you know, that basic doctrine. So then Would you argue, sorry, Anthony, go for it. Oh, so then Patty, when you look at stuff like that and the, the slow change, like taking something so core, like the Trinity. And I mean, if we look back and far enough in Adventist history, you know, Ellen White didn't believe in the Trinity originally. Sure. Right. Yeah. But you know, core, core Christian beliefs like that, like the slow changing and slipping and then like, you know, changing to non-Trinitarianism, like how, how does that happen? Like in your opinion, how do we, how do we go, how do we go from oh. something so core to saying, no, actually we don't believe that, you know, like I, it doesn't happen overnight. Right. Nothing, nothing happens overnight. Typically anything anybody wakes up and says, ah, I'm going to destroy the Trinity doctrine. Um, <laughs> right. But, but I think it's just, it, it's gradual, uh, you know, stuff. I think, you know, the, I, we're, we're so much more concerned about being right right now than we are about being, you know, and you guys know I'm, I'm big into the, the whole thing of just John 13, 34 and 35, that all people everywhere will know you are my disciples by how mm. you love one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, why, why do we care so much more that we're right on something than the fact that we, we just love each other? So I'm, I'm actually prepping for a sermon next weekend um, on MLK weekend, because obviously who should be preaching on MLK weekend but <laughs> me? <laughs> Yeah, Irish, right? Irish white guy. Yeah, black, yeah. black Irish. I tell you, black guys, I Irish. Black oh, Irish. Black I forgot Irish. about the black part. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, which, just for our listeners, my our yeah. listeners, I'm calling them mine now. Yeah. Um, that you know, black Irish is a thing. It's when the Spaniards came and and mixed with the Irish, and there are some. It. 
who came out of that with darker skin. Now, I, of course, got the oh. see-through version of the <laughs> Irish. Of course. My it's, brother and my just... dad, though, were darker-skinned uh, Irish guys. Anyway, wow. side note. Okay. Um, but wow, this is, uh, this is a great Irish trivia uh, yeah, it really learning is. experience yeah, for us. We're going to have a quiz at the end. Um, <laughs> but uh, the the uh, where was I even going? Your sermon. That? That oh, yeah, a sermon. Yeah. So on MLK, um, MLK had this great um, – uh, he, he actually uh, – he says that Jesus came up with the message of, you know, treating one another with love, uh, even loving your enemies. But Gandhi is the one that gave him the tools as to how to do that towards nonviolence. Oh, wow. Hmm. Um, wow. And, and Gandhi had a term for kind of a love force um, is what it called. And, and it was saying that, you know, some people think that the idea of Christians turning the other cheek is actually weak. You know, mm-hmm. it's stronger yeah. to stand up. Um, but if you think about what it takes to turn the other cheek or to love your enemies and that it's a much yeah. stronger force. Mm. And uh, the book that Martin Luther um, wrote, uh, he he uh, called Strength to Love um, and kind of some of these sermons that led to this idea of nonviolence for the civil rights movement um, that he uh, he has this quote from Napoleon um, that Napoleon had said, look at the great empires of the past. And he referenced Rome and, you know, uh, the Medes and Persians and all these other kinds of things. And then he said, all of them, including mine, will come to nothing. The only empire that has ever lasted is the empire of Jesus. Mm, wow. Um, wow. And millions of people would still die for it today. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's like if, if we're not built and grounded and rooted in that, then all this other stuff is just, uh, you mm-hmm. know, external things. And we get so focused on the external uh, to try to prove who we are and who we aren't that, that we get lost in what it's all about anyway. It's what Jesus comes to the, you know, the religious elite and the Pharisees and says, you know, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me mm, or yeah. your whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but on the inside. And I think yeah. that's a bigger issue. I mean, the, the, the fact that we would spend all this energy and all this time trying to force people into compliance or what one ver- person thinks is unity mm, um, yeah. is the exact reason why we're not unified. Um, because it's, unity only comes from b- having a core that is united, mm. not is the that external. Why, is that why you guys felt the one project needed to come back? Yeah, I, I think, have no idea why. Why? Because uh, for anybody who doesn't know, one project has been going on. How, how many years did it go for? Uh, seven to eight. Yeah, we're we're technically in the eighth year. Yeah. So yeah, and then it and then you guys had said, hey, I think it's time for us to stop. But you guys were continuing some other stuff as a kind of a network of churches. But then all of a sudden, I see, hey, we're having another uh, gathering. So yeah, was that part of kind of the stuff you're talking about? Yeah, that- I think a, a bit. I mean, give you a little history. Um, I, we never created the one project as something that was going to be a forever thing. It was always a, a you know a a movement to inspire to to help change to really kind of I think the first iteration was really about trying to make sh- put Jesus back in the center of our theology mm. um, yeah. at a time when at least we felt in our own lives that it was it, he was not at the center. There were all all sorts of other things that were taking his place. Yeah. Um, and you know, driven by Colossians one and talking about all the things that Jesus is, um, and. Uh, and, and so we created it as something that wouldn't last forever. And, and to use an analogy, um, you know, if you look at Seinfeld and you look at friends, right, like they didn't just keep going when they, 
they, they didn't stop when because they were not good anymore, right? They stopped yeah. when they were mm-hmm. still people still wanted um, something more, um, and I think that was kind of the I'd, idea. We didn't. I've want, never watched a TV show in my life. I know, I, you know that Jesus doesn't exist in those things. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so. um, but you know, it's like uh, we didn't want one project just to kind of be this thing that because it was good once, we're going to just run it into the ground and we'll still have it even if no one's coming anymore, yeah. um, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So we, we closed down and we felt led. We prayed a lot about that. We talked a lot about that. And we felt like, you know, all of us had full-time jobs. I mean, you guys know, I wasn't, you know, Walla Walla sitting around twiddling my thumbs like, man, what can I do with all my free time? Oh, huh, I yeah. think I'll start another full-time job with the one project. <laughs> um, you know, it was just more of, we felt that our extra energy needed to be poured back into the local church because at the end of the day, that's where, you know, real change can, can happen. And we had hoped yeah. that we had inspired mm. enough people, gave enough people hope, kind of reset, you know, people's faith enough uh, yeah. to kind of keep that going. And then when the craziness of, of October and Battle Creek and, you know, the, the focus on all the externals and, and compliance wow. and unity and all this other kind of stuff came out, we felt called back to the table. We'd been talking for a while about what, what was next yeah. um, for us. Yes, we started this thing called the Global Resource Collective, which, you know, was really about churches sharing resources together. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and, and we do that, uh, and that's, and that's, you know, hopefully helping out some churches, but, um, you know, the, but we were like, you know, we need to, we need to really look at what is the way forward for the church. What, what, yeah. what is the way forward for our faith? Um, and in, in light of all this kind of stuff, and we could have started over, we could have, you know, come up with a new name, but the one project already represents hope for, yeah. you know, a large number of people who, who want that breath of fresh air, who want to know that it's not all about all these other things. And, mm. and you, again, you guys know this too, is, is the problem with the critics of the one project is they think that, well, one, it's a limited understanding of who Christ was when they, you know, cause they, they always say, well, you can't, it's not just about the experience with Jesus. Well, once yeah. we've never said anything about it, just being the experience with Jesus. Um, and people will say that it's, well, you're just focusing on Jesus. What about all the other doctrine? Well, oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. 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 Like, what is your response to that? If well, you, people would say, oh, it's, you say Jesus all, but like, but what about, what about, uh, they'll bring up Sabbath. Sabbath isn't about Jesus or things like that. And like, if you don't have that, then apparently everything falls apart. But yeah. What do you say to that? Well, uh, I mean, several things, uh, you know, the one thing is I said, if Jesus isn't embodied in every single doctrine, then there's a problem with the doctrine. Hmm. Um, right. So if, if the doctrine don't help reveal something about Jesus, draw us near to him, then there's a problem with that. So Jesus is the way and the truth of light. He life, he is, um, truth. He is the word that became flesh. He is all those things, right? The problem is when we start separating him from all those things and, and Mm. a common phrase from people would have been, well, when are you guys going to get past Jesus onto meteor stuff? (laughs) Right. Dang. Like you don't get to get past Jesus. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you think that's the case, then good luck with the whole heaven thing. Yeah, um, right. You know, because that's exactly the problem is that we think we don't need Jesus or, or at least, okay, yeah, let's talk. I mean, mention him. Yeah. But really, yeah. we got to get down to the prophecy in Daniel and Revelation. And that's what's yeah. most important, you know. Um, so that that's yeah. one issue, um, you know, is that we think it's a it's a limited view of Jesus. Two is the fact that, well, we are Seventh-day Adventists. We never set out to prove or disprove all of the doctrines. You know, yeah. when we were investigated by the general conference, uh, and by was that, it an I mean, investigative judgment, 
Was that what it was? Well, they I mean, made judgments about you. There are people yeah. that made judgments, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the Biblical Research Institute, and I think this is all kind of out there now, um, but it was like a three to five year questioning, which is crazy. Um, three to five. That's a why long do you process. need three wow. to five years to I, figure out if you guys are heretical or well, not? Well, because I think that at the end of the day, we weren't, obviously. Um, yeah. And, well, that's and the, still well <laughs> it depends on yeah how you define it. Who you but, ask? Um, <laughs> yeah, or who's defining it? I guess you should say that's true. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, constantly we left the conversation with like, well, these guys are yeah, these guys are Adventist pastors, you know, and wow. there's nothing wrong there. Um, but uh, it it got to the place where we realized there were no anytime we appeased the questions or we answered the questions or whatever, there was another list of questions. Well, did you have an answer to this and you haven't answered that down to, you know, in the last couple of years, um, people saying, well, if you don't put on, put statements on the one project website about your view of LGBTQT or your view of the little horn in the book of Daniel or your wow. view of, you know, all oh this gosh. kind of stuff, then you're not, you know, there's no way we're going to um, say that your ministry is okay unless you do all this stuff. Well, what other, ministry that is actually a part of the church we weren't an independent ministry at the time we were a church ministry what other Mm -hmm. church ministry are you asking all these things of right 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 why are you singling us out um you know and we're a ministry of the church and and all the criticism coming towards the one project is actually from independent ministries Hmm. outside the (laughs) church right Right? yeah um so yeah, it's ironic. And just for the record, we did approach uh, every detractor, every group that was against the one project we reached out to to try to say, hey, can we sit down at the table and talk and listen to each other, see where we're coming from, let you learn what we're about and, and all of that. And out of about 13 different groups, only one person, one ministry sat down with us. Wow. 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 Did, did that change crazy. their perspective or were they still? That particular one, yeah. Wow, that's yeah, awesome. They changed well, yeah. from, the, they realized that we were not these conspiracy theorists, <laughs> Jesuits trying to tear down the church, that we were trying to do good yeah. things. And So wow. this this actually gets to something interesting. That, that really reminded me, something we've spoken about previously is our desire, all three of us, and the reason we we've wanted to do this podcast is to think about ways we can create and start more discussions with people on both sides of an issue. Mm-hmm. And what what really struck me with that is out of 13 groups, one group came, um, is one of the deeper issues is just being willing to be in the presence of someone else that disagrees with you. Right, or, right. Or you even, yeah. maybe not even disagree, but you just, you have some questions, right? So if they're questioning the one project and they're not willing to take the time to meet with you, um, it, it seems like there's, that's the deeper issue is, it, you know, when we have these issues in our church, are we going to get anywhere if we don't sit down with one another and have these conversations and create a space where that's happening? Because that's mm-hmm. another question that comes up is, well, why, you know, where can I go to have these conversations? Because a lot of times we get in naturally our friend circles, uh, the people that we relate to, the people that we agree with, and we don't have those conversations with people that may think differently than us. We're kind of in and, and, echo chambers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a cultural thing right now. You know, it's not just it's not just Adventism or it's not just denominations. It's uh, I so uh, I was listening to a um, interview on NPR recently, and there were two senators from different political parties that were working together. They've written a book. I think it's called Unified. Uh, I think, um, and they, and they have different backgrounds. One's African American, one's white, one's older, one's younger. 
Um, one's Republican, one's Democrat. One of the things that they actually said is in uh, some recent studies that they did as part of their book um, that uh, it's about the same no matter what your political party is, but about 66% of Republicans don't have Democrat friends. Hmm. And about wow. 66% of Democrats don't have Republican friends. Wow. Um, you know, we're all creating these echo chambers where we, yeah. we don't want to listen to someone who doesn't think and believe and in, mm-hmm. in something different than we do. And Adventism, I think, you know, where we get into that comes back to that conspiracy theory and the deception, mm-hmm. right? Is yeah. that if mm-hmm. somehow if we talk to somebody who thinks or believes differently than us, then we're going to get tricked or deceived. Right, yeah. right. You know, and I remember the, the president of Walla Walla, Dr. John McVeigh, saying at one point that truth isn't fragile. Yeah, right? so good. That we don't yeah, have so to good. protect truth. Um, yeah. You know, truth is truth. And, so strong. and that was, you know, kind of speaking out towards people reading books and authors or listening to speakers that weren't from our faith tradition. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and the response was, well, that's just crazy. How are we going to learn anything yeah. unless we listen to others? How are we going to reach anyone if we are only listening to ourselves? You know, I had a, uh, an uncle who is a he, he's non-denominational, I think, is what he would categorize himself as. Um, and he asked me one point, he's a very curious guy, very nice guy, but he asked me, like, Patty, why do I go into Barnes and Noble and I don't see any Adventist voices represented in like the religion section? You know, because we got our own booksellers. Yeah, I said we yeah. have our own bookstores. We're just talking to ourselves. Yep. Well, yeah, we're not talking to anyone else. Yeah, we don't need to talk to anybody else. So, yeah, Sean, I think that that's you know, that's a, that's a struggle, but it's, it's bigger than, I mean, I, my guess is it's actually worse in the church as far as how many Adventists have non Adventist friends um, or, you know, people that are not exactly like them. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, I think I've, sorry, John, I've, I've experienced that as a, as a pastor where I realized like, you know, there's the expectation for a lot of people that a pastor is uh, going to go out and evangelize and bring people into the church. And thankfully I'm not in a church that that believes that. Um, but even then you still feel that pressure. And I realized one day who, who is my non-Adventist friend? You know, like, mm. like you realize that moment where you're like, I've literally grown up in Adventist education, gone to Adventist college, mm-hmm. uh, come out of that, went to an Adventist church. Who do I know? That's not Adventist. Who am I working with? That's not Adventist. And that has been a realization for me that I didn't like, I hated that because I realized, uh, that, wow, I, I'm just talking to myself in essence. And some of the greatest mm. here, I'm going to come out as a, as a greater heretic than you at this point, here, Patty. <laughs> Good. but the, the best, uh, mentors in my life, uh, recently were, uh, a couple of Calvinist guys, people who believe in Calvinism and they just, their story of the Bible. They loved the, they, they love the story of the Bible mm. and just opened up my eyes. The second guy is, uh, this church that runs from us. It's the, they're a Pentecostal church. They, the pastor is literally one of the people who's spoken in my life in the most truthful ways I've ever experienced. And knowing them has been an eye-opening experience of just, wow, like these are some of the best people I've known. And so it's sad when we get into our echo chambers Mm. because then we end up just, like you said, not learning a thing and getting stuck into our conversations. Even those of us who may not be conspiracy theorists, we get into conversations, stuck in conversations about the conspiracy theorists and how much we don't like it or all these different things. Mm. And we don't actually go anywhere. Well, and it's arrogant. It's arrogant to think that we know so much that we have nothing to learn from anyone else. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Um, You know, and, uh, and, and you guys have heard me say this too, is that the problem again within denominations, within Adventism, within our culture, is that we've forgotten that we don't have to agree with one another to learn from each other or to listen yeah. to each other mm. or to love one another. Mm. We, we don't have so to good. agree. 
right? We just have to respect each other. We, we have to treat each other with love. Even if we disagree, that's fine. Yeah. But we're going to learn something. So how are we going to reach anyone? And, and, you know, the challenge on the evangelism side of it is that we, we go in even friendship evangelism. We were talking about this um, at, at our staff uh, recently, but friendship evangelism is all hidden agendas, right? It's like, mm. I'm going to be your friend, <laughs> but only to... So you can be a church. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, and I just don't, uh, you know, that's just not how Jesus functioned. I don't think, Yeah. you know, he, he cared oh, about the so individual. True. He cared about growing them from one place to another. Um, yeah. and, and that, but anyway, yeah. sidebar. So, so Patty, at one point, is it, cause I remember at one point during the one project that wasn't it, uh, the, the catchphrase or celebrating the supremacy of Jesus Christ through the Adventist church. And at some point you got rid of the Adventist church part. Did that ever receive any backlash or what was the history behind that? Well, we did oh, actually, oh. yeah, we did, um, talk about dropping it um, oh, okay. at one point um, and, and never actually did because we realized that, you know, our, our starting point is, and, and our perspective starts with an Adventism, um, okay. you know, mm. it was wanting to take the conversation more global. But again, we realized that the first iteration of, of the one project was really trying to help infuse something good back into our Adventism. Mm. And mm. I think, and, and, and the kind of the journey of, of that first iteration was we started out more prophetic in voice, um, which is always more challenging and ruffles feathers and, you know, makes people uncomfortable. Um, and we settled into something that was more pastoral. Mm, and and there yeah. were reasons why we did that, and and we felt like that was the right thing to do. But the second iteration is much more towards the prophetic than the pastoral. Um, you know, it is much when more what is that, the way forward, well, and um, it it is I think going to be unsettling. But that's mm. you know the church doesn't, and not just Adventism. I think church in general, we're not big fans of innovation because innovation brings out change and new things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I was reading recently about uh, a commentary on Jesus's uh, teaching on new wine and new wineskins, you know, and I always... Which was grape juice, by the way, right? Right. Absolutely grape juice. Yeah. But (laughs) what I always, you know, focused on was the wineskin part of it and the structure Hmm. um, and that, you know, you have have this new gospel message and you've got to pour that into new structure um, and mm. if you don't, then you can ruin the structure. But the horrible thing about it is if you don't pour new wine into new wineskins, you also mess up the wine, hmm. right? Wow. So you have, we mess up the gospel message mm-hmm. when we are not willing to adapt and change and grow with it. Right. When wow. we are, we are stuck in one way of doing things. That is much uh, a, a, a bigger sermon. thing to be held accountable for than whether or not we have the right structure. Man, yeah, that's good. That's a, wow. that's a sermon right okay. there. Yeah, so I guess I'm curious then, Patty. You said uh, a more prophetic voice about what is the way forward. Um, so tell us, what is the way forward? <laughs> what is the seven-step plan to the revitalization? No, not seven, the 20, 28. There's got to be a 28-step oh, yeah. plan. Well, I thought seven was like the number of God, and I couldn't do six because that would be bad. Patty's answer is going to be, um, well, for only 14 payments of twenty two ninety nine ninety nine. dollars 99 2000 almost... $2,500? Patty's Dang. planning to, he's getting old. He's planning to retire almost, soon. It's <laughs> almost as, as expensive as Logos software. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So true. Sorry, that was, a, that was an insider uh, pastor educator yeah. joke right there. Yeah, it's $4.2 million, I think, for that <laughs> software. Oh, my gosh. Um, no, I, I, here's the thing. I, I don't think any of us really, other than, you know, a, a centralized, christology i guess in everything that we do 
Um, I think the conversations that we have when we get together and talk about what's going to happen, you know, at the next one project in February and, and that is, is so much of a, man, I, there are things that are wrong that need to change. I mean, we are a top heavy organization and that has to change. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, there is no organization in the world that lives as top heavy as we are. Mm, um, crazy. And yep. we are misusing and abusing funds. And, um, you know, there are so many things that, um, that need to be uh, checked. And, you know, I think if, if we continue to follow the ideology of we can't listen to those that are different than us, um, then it's hard to it's hard to think that under that climate that a church split isn't going to happen. Hmm. Um, oh. You know, and I, I don't think that we're proponents, whether it should or shouldn't. I think we're just saying that we have to provide a way forward no matter what happens. Hmm. Um, and and I think, you know, listen, I don't I honestly don't know what the answers are. I just know that I'm in conversations and in prayer with people who care about finding out those answers as much as I do. Mm. Um, wow. and so we're going to stumble forward and, and try to, f- you know, figure out where God's leading us for such a time as this. Um, mm. and that is hard work. It is hard work to think, you know, what, how would we go forward if we don't have the structure that we've always had? Um, you know, what would that look yeah. like? And, you know, we don't, we don't know this, it's uncharted territory, but we, yeah. but we know that it's not, you know, you can't just abandon and throw out everything of your past, Hmm, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that's not responsible. It's not helpful. Right. I think that that's what is sometimes a challenge for non-denominational movements is they have no history. Hmm. You know, they they have nothing that ties them to anyone else or anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I think that, you know, our, our seeking what you saw, what they saw, you know, this idea of what were our founders about, Mm -hmm. what were they going through and, and really trying to get back at Alex Bryan has that great phrase of, you know, getting back to primal Adventism where they were so Mm. focused on Jesus's return that when he didn't come in the physical sense, you know, in 1844, that people were physically sick because it didn't happen. They were that hungry to see Jesus. And that's where we want to get back to is Mm. that hungry to see Jesus. And it's not just an emotional, um, you know, high or experience, uh, nor is it an intellectual, just an intellectual, because neither one of those things affect change. If you don't have something, when, when Paul talks about the inner being, Um, several places in the new Testament, he's talking about the seat of a person. It's not just the heart of a person, which we Mm. associate emotions. It's the very core of a person. Right. Um, And if you have something that hits you and you have this feeling about it, well, that's, that's emotions and that's, that, that can be good. But if it hasn't changed how you think or how you act, then it hasn't gotten at the core of your being. Mm. Yeah. And the that's same good. thing is true intellectually. That's really if good. If you have a thought and you go, "Wow, that's amazing," but it doesn't you don't it doesn't change how you feel about something, mm-hmm. then it hasn't yeah. gotten at the core of your being. And what we have to do is to get something that hits both. You know, that's yeah. why in Ephesians 3 Paul prays that you would be strengthened in your inner being with the power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is God's love, because that's yeah. the only internal change that's going to affect the external. And the problem yeah. with the, mm. you know, with uh, all of the the focus on, um, you know, getting into alignment, uh, you know, and what is it's all external. It's yeah. like New Year's resolutions. I just read recently that 60% of people in the U.S. make resolutions now, right? It keeps dropping yeah. every year. Um, <laughs> yeah. And only 8% of the 60 actually keep them. 
Wow. Why? Hey, because yeah. it's external motivators. Right. Mm. We yeah. have to get into the internal. What's the motivating factor that's going to cause real change? And that's, yeah. we've got to be rooted and grounded in love. And then interestingly enough, after Ephesians 3 is where Paul talks in Ephesians 4 about one baptism, one Lord, one faith. And yeah. he, that's unity. The only way wow. that unity can happen mm-hmm. is rooted and grounded in love. just want to thank you again for listening to another episode of Seeking What They Sought. Now, if you enjoyed this interview with Patty, uh, fear not, because this episode was actually only part one of the interview that we had with him. We actually ended up having a super long conversation. And so our next episode will be part two of that same interview that we had with Patty, where we go in a, a couple different directions. We ask him about young adults and where he sees the future of the church going and what role do young adults play and uh, just sort of pick his brain a little bit more. So you're not going to want to miss that. Be sure to listen to that when that comes out. Um, and of course, on a final note, we do not want to forget our 17-time pie-eating competition winner, Eric Edstrom, for being our producer and for all the hard work he does to make this uh, us sound beautiful. So we love you, Eric. Um, as for us, we say thank you guys for listening once again, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>